Welcome to the Balancing Actor Podcast, where we discuss balancing a civilian life with your creative one and everything in between. I'm your host, fellow actor, and fellow human, Miranda Rodan, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Balancing Actor Podcast. I am very honored and excited, and I am charged because I just came off of the interview with Fiera Moore, who is a nurse of 12 years in the maternal sector. And I wanted to bring someone on the podcast today outside of the acting world um, who has the experience and the credibility since this is my mommy era, this is my mommy season. And for those listening or who want to start a family or who are in their own parental season at the moment, um, especially when it comes to having a baby for the first time or even the second time um, or third or fourth or however many you're on right now, I think this information is invaluable for you to know. And Fiera and I met a few years ago uh, through a mutual friend and just we got to talking about these sort of women's care issues and um, especially because she's just so knowledgeable in the maternal side of things. I really think the information that she has to give you today is going to be one that you should take away from and keep with you and share to your friends, to your family, just because the healthcare system is is an area that a lot of people don't know about the inner workings of it. And I think it's really important for you to advocate for yourself. I always preach that. And Fiera is also on that mindset and just having somebody who has so much experience in this area from the back end and then also with her three children has experienced it from the patient end. Her advice and her coaching and her knowledge is just completely priceless and invaluable. So a little bit about Fiera. She is a family perinatal coach and certified RN and educator and with over 12 years as a seasoned certified registered nurse specializing in maternal child health, Fiera is your ultimate resource for all things pregnancy. Her expertise in high-risk labor and delivery, maternal child case management, and home care, combined with her role as a nursing professor, speaks volumes about her exceptional skills. And really, it does. She's just so knowledgeable and just so well-rounded. Fiera's connection to midwifery runs deep, tracing back to her great-great-grandmother's home birth in Yamasi, South Carolina. And I think that's really important to know the difference between midwifery and OBGYN, so a doctor versus a very experienced and knowledgeable nurse, and she'll go in and explain that. But basically, um, this is a nurse that is trained specifically for childbirth and should not be written off just because they don't have the doctor title. Um, this may be a better route for you to go. And we and we go into that a little bit in, in our podcast interview. Fiera holds a bachelor's in science and a master of science in nursing from the University of Texas in Arlington, certified in inpatient obstetric, perinatal mental health, ACLS, CPR, NRP, and more. All those other certifications and specialties that she has at the end of her name are, are important. She seamlessly combines medical knowledge with coaching finesse. Driven by her own experience with perinatal anxiety, Fiera recognized the need for enhanced support during this transformative journey. Her mission is to bridge gaps in obstetric care, offering education, advocacy, and a robust support system for both you and your partner. Partners need support too. A lot of times they're on the sideline. They have no idea how to do much for you um, if you're not the one giving birth. And a lot of times partners really want to help, but they don't know how. And uh, she can help guide your partner as well. Fiera's coaching style is rooted in communication and clinical excellence. She's here to guide you through challenges, empower informed decisions, and amplify your voice. With an unwavering passion for nurturing mothers and partners, Fiera leads you to embrace this exhilarating chapter with confidence. So important. Beyond her professional journey, Fiera is a devoted wife and mother of three, so she's been through this before, <laughs> cherishing family time, daily nature walks, and treasured moments with her husband. She stands ready to be your steadfast companion on this remarkable journey into parenthood. Wow. Uh, I, I just feel like more coaching services need to be promoted in this way. Obviously, we touch on doula as well and what that is. And I just cannot advocate enough how important it is to hire a coach like Fiera herself or hire somebody who can help you navigate this new journey in your life and to know that you have a lot of options and to know that your medical experience, maybe you didn't have a great experience with your first birth. It can be different the second time around. 
um, even though there are flaws in our healthcare system in the U.S., we are privileged to have options. And that really is the biggest takeaway after today's interview. I mean, her and I touch on so many things when it comes to learning about the difference between insurances and how you're treated, um, resources that are out there, what sort of uh, care you can actually have, um, you know, disparities between women of color versus, you know, other populations and, and how that ties into socioeconomic status at the end of the day. Um, and also why the female mortality rate for maternal mothers is so high after they give birth specifically for women of color. And that is a topic that I was just really interested in and wanted to know more and wanted to talk to somebody who knew a lot more about that because not only has she experienced things herself as a mother, but also um, from the other end of the healthcare system. So there is a lot of validity there. And uh, I am so excited for you to have a listen. She's a remarkable shining light and enjoy this episode. Piera, thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to be having this conversation. I've been really looking forward to it. Uh, we've been talking on the back end for a little while now. And, you know, I really, I think that it was kind of fate that we were able to meet <laughs> a couple years ago. We, we have a mutual friend, uh, Anna. Hi, Anna. Um, and I was just so fascinated because you're just so knowledgeable in this area of maternal health. And of course, I'm going on my own journey. Um, but I just wanted to welcome you to the podcast and just like, thank you so much for coming on here today. Oh, my gosh. Don't uh, let me get my tissues. That was so sweet. <laughs> and can I highlight that when we first met, we talked about this business and I didn't have it. I didn't have the business at that time. It wasn't a physical thing that somebody could come and book a session. So thank you for having me. It's full circle. I love it. I love seeing it's full circle. I love seeing, you know, and I was talking about the podcast too, and I, I don't think I've launched it even then either. So it was, they were both like these like baby ideas that like, now here we are, we've blossomed into it. I think it's so awesome. And of course, I want to, you know, support you because I think it's so important to talk about the things we're going to talk about today. Um, but more importantly, you know, lift women, lifting other women up is just super important to me as well. And um, I think this information like needs to get out to more people. So I am so happy to have you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So um, as you know, I gave, I gave Fiera like a great intro to her bio she's done a lot of different things and I really I wanted to bring like the authenticity because you're a nurse and because mm -hmm. you've worked so closely in this division of maternal health um I've done a lot of research I've shared my story on my podcast as far as like what I was going through and then um coming from the healthcare background I don't know if you knew that but I'm a dental hygienist so it's a different mm -hmm. realm of healthcare but like a lot of similarities right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, there are some disparities. There are some issues with the way that the healthcare system in America is set up. It's not, you know, like yeah. a thing that we know of, right. but, um, right. specifically in this particular area, I mean, we're going to cover things like, um, you know, why it's important to know certain information about the healthcare system as a woman. We're going to yeah. also, um, dive into, you know, why the maternal fatality rate in America for women of color specifically is very high. That is like astounding to me. Yes. Um, so and growing and growing and growing. And like, and we want to, I want to figure out why. And I wanted to talk to you because I know, you know, a lot about this subject. You've experienced things yourself, you know, as a mom mm -hmm. of three. Right. Absolutely. And, um, I just think more people need to be aware of it. Um, uh, but let's dive into, you know, your background, like what really inspired you to become a nurse and go into maternal health in, in general? Um, that is a fabulous question. And it, it stems more so from wake, like way back. I would say that's my great, great, great grandmother. She was mm -hmm. a midwife in South Carolina in a very, very country area, one bedroom delivering all the kids. And I never knew that until I got to high school. And I thought I wanted to be a psychiatrist, believe it or not. Yes, I was like, okay. man, I'm going to be a psychiatrist. I'm going to help people get their minds together, figure it out. And then I realized how much schooling I needed before I started actually seeing some money. And I was like, no, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Let me figure out another route. So I decided to be a nurse. My grandparents pushed me to go to a vocational school. And that was my foundation. I started healthcare since I was 14. 
So I've been in it for a minute. I've been a maternal child nurse for 12 years in all the locations and all the various uh, entities, outpatient, home health stop me because you know girl I could go I mean like we're talking to take the picture like probably community health right like um you know that may be like undocumented absolutely yes absolutely like that's a broad spectrum absolutely Um, and then you've got private insurances right which is your more like fancier offices absolutely absolutely that's exactly what I did so I saw it on the side where oh it's just the abundance is just in I have whatever I need to, are they going to come and take my baby? Like, what am I going to do? Because I still don't have papers and I'm trying to do the right thing. Like it goes from one spectrum to the, to the other. So I do bring a very vast knowledge to this work for sure. Mm -hmm. sure. And I think that's so important to have been able to see all the different areas of, of healthcare and, knowing your patients and it makes you such a better provider because you have more empathy, right? Nurses are incredible people. We have, I've got um, a few nurses in my family um, on all different spectrums and I just have so much respect for it. I, I applied to nursing school and dental hygiene school. I ended up getting in dental hygiene school and going down that route, but I like, I feel like in another life I would have became a nurse as well. Um, and, and especially with this topic, super passionate about it. Like didn't know I would be so passionate about it. I mean, I know that it's like actively happening to me right now, but I'm like more people need to know this information because the conversations I'm having, like they just don't, they just don't Mm -hmm. have this information Mm -hmm. and they're confused. Um, so Mm -hmm. with, with your background and your history, like, Mm -hmm. and then you're going into this coaching service now that you have where you're really, could you talk a little bit more about that and like why you wanted to make the shift from working, you know, clinically into more advocating for women? Yes. So from my time in inpatient, it was very cookie cutter. Patient Mm -hmm. comes in, you have to follow such and such orders. You have to do this. You're asking them, okay, so why are you actually here? Like, you don't look like you're in labor. Why are you here? They don't even know. They don't even know why they're here. They're like, well, the doctor told me to come. Okay. All right. So we are going to figure it out. (laughs) That's at the door. So, I mean, I know as me taking care of them, but as the patient, how do you not know? How can you blindly trust someone to just, okay, go do this without any question, without anything? And I would find myself in some sticky situations. And after a while, I just got a little, you get burnt out. Let's just call it how it is. I still have plenty of bedside bedside nursing friends and you just get burnt out. So I decided to go the educator route. I was like, I'm going to teach nurses how to stand on their own two feet, believe that what's coming out of their mouth is what's going to help this patient at at this point right now, because we're the ones that's spending time with them. Mm -hmm. So I did that while I was pregnant, while I was working full full-time 36 hours a week Mm -hmm. and I graduated and I started teaching and then I said well I realized "Hmm, I could go a little bit further like Mm -hmm. I start seeing women who just really don't have the connection between the mind and the body Mm -hmm. and that's what's missing when we go to providers to get these prenatal testing we think that that's the holy grail like that makes us healthy if they say that oh our ultrasound is great i'm great i'm fabulous meanwhile when you leave you're thinking about what if the next one isn't great how how am i going to get my husband to get excited why doesn't he want to come why does he feel like this is not important Mm-hmm. Who am I going to talk to? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, and I started looking around, like, where's that? Like, where where's that type of thing, right? Like, yeah. that is so important, but it's not here. So it took me five years before I actually was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm going to do it. And that's what drove me to it because it's missing the emotional support. The support for dads is like non-existent mm-hmm. for partners who are not actually having the baby. Mm-hmm. There's no support for them. You're just kind of thrown to the side and you just deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like to offer something that I know deep down, so many people need, mm-hmm. I said, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Cause like, to me, you're probably, we were already this advocate 
you know, to friends and family and calling you. I'm sure you were that girlfriend or family member that everyone's calling when they get through this time in their life. And you're like, I'm already doing this. You know, I've already, I'm already doing this. It's just not official, official. So, you know, how can we help more people in a capacity that's really going to make a difference? Right. And unfortunately with the healthcare system, a lot of these, the way the problems with it, I see at least through my lens is, is there's bedside manner issues, you know, and like nurses getting burnt out issues, but then there's like foundational business structure issues, which are the biggest issues I think that influence the burnout that influence the confusion. And, you know, it's profit. Like we have, it's a business at the end of the day and um, that it's set up in a way that is going to be profitable for, for that entity, but it's not always the best choice for the patient. Um, or the system is, you know, based on your insurance, you're treated differently. And like, that's really messed up. But like, that's, these are the things that like, we need to be aware of so that you can help um, navigate for yourself and advocate for yourself, but then also like make the right choices for yourself. Absolutely. Um, and, can I touch on that? I'm yes, so sorry. Please. Can I touch on that insurance part? Because yeah. it just brings up a big point. I, I'm gonna tell a quick story and why it's so important because I took my children to the pediatrician, which personally, and this is personally, I only do when I have to, like, if I absolutely, (laughs) (laughs) if I absolutely, I mean, I, my kids will tell you, oh, how does your mom give you medicine? Open your mouth. And I do my own measurements, my own thing. Cause I believe in the placebo effect. But that's neither here nor there. When yep. we go to the doctor, they're like, oh, well, they, they need so-and-so um, immunizations. So I said, oh, hot all right. Yeah, <laughs> it's such, such a hot topic. So at this point, offices have a script. They have a script that they tell people immediately when people are hesitant or they don't want to do it and blah, blah, blah. And I, I sat and I listened because I was like, you know, I'm not going to say, well, you know, I actually know a thing or two about that. So when my when when I first got here, because we moved to South Carolina and I'll be completely transparent without any type of job, we didn't have any type of income. So I said, you know what? I paid into the Medicaid system for forever. I'm going to make sure that if something happens to my children today, that they're not going to be, I'm not taking out loans for the rest of their life to pay for their care. Exactly. So I got them Medicaid. Mm-hmm. So we go to the office and then now I also have a, a job at this point. So I have both insurances mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, well, the Medicaid immunizations are not available. They, we don't have any, but then the, the private insurance uh, that we have those, but we we're kind of low. So we already have them allocated to certain people. So we have to. What? Wait, so they have Medicaid immunizations versus PPO, private insurance immunizations? How? But this has been the way, I'm 34 years old. This was the case when I was a child. It literally says it on my immunization card that I was receiving Medicaid immunizations. Stop it. Parents don't even realize. So I said to them, I what said, well, let me just. <laughs> what does that even exactly. mean? <laughs> exactly. So I said, um, I said, you know, I'm just going to ask a silly question here. How is it that there's two separate immunizations, but it's the exact same drug and you're giving it to children based off of a circumstance that yes. they have no control over? And so exact what's the same drug. exact same drug? Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where my mind's going. I'm like, oh, is it really the exact same drug? Okay. <laughs> exactly. Okay. But if you don't know this, you could be subjecting your children. Oh. Offices don't don't test that type of stuff. They don't know. They just go on based off what the manufacturer said. Everybody is just blindly listening to the next person. And that's a big, there's no dollar amount for that to me. If I had the option for somebody to school me before I went to have my children, I don't, I probably would own half an Asia. I'm just, I'm I would I would own half of Asia because it's that much of a big deal, but people just don't see the value in it. But I'm gonna keep pushing it. I just wanted to add that because I thought that was very relevant. I'm 
Hey, y'all. Jumping in here really quick just to expand on this particular topic because it can bring up some controversy and difference of opinions. So I've linked a couple articles below regarding the difference between Medicaid vaccines and private insurance vaccines and the accessibility. A lot of the articles will tell you as just a recap that it's pretty much just um, a distribution thing where they only get so many Medicaid vaccines allocated towards these practices and that they do run out and they have to wait till they get another surplus of these vaccines. Um, a lot of the resources are saying that it is the same vaccine as private insurance, but I'm going to just stress that you just take the set of knowledge a step further and really the only true reason to know if that is indeed fact is if you just simply compare the Medicaid vaccine to the private insurance vaccine with your own eyes and your own insert on what's in these vaccines. That is truly the only way to know because even with the media out there, um, things are manipulated, unfortunately. And I just would say this is from my own gut feeling and own um, experience that you the only way for you to truly know if that is indeed fact is if you really see it with your own eyes. So uh, despite the the articles that are out there, which I think are you know valid, I just would always question things a step further, which may not always be a step that people take. So look for yourself, make, come to your own conclusions. But uh, this was new information to me, regardless that they could run out of these um, you know more discounted rated uh, vaccines, which makes sense from a business standpoint. It um, you know they only allocated so many based on the discount, and then the rest they allocate to private insurance because why they get more money for it. So. Um, but same thing, like generic version of medication versus the brand name of medication. Like that's the kind of way I look at it. Brand name, sometimes you're just playing for the brand name, but it really typically is the generic version, which is just fine. Um, also, sometimes it's not fine. It's the difference between buying toothpaste from the dollar store versus, you know, an accredited <laughs> uh, other brand from the ADA. So just something to keep in mind. And again, just do your research and come to your own conclusions. I'm like shocked, but I'm not shocked, but I'm just like my jaws on the floor. Uh, just because the fact that they'd be, you know, even a difference in immunizations. And I mean, we can touch on, you know, we touched on the immunization thing. It's a, obviously a really hot topic. There's a lot of opinions on this, but mm. you just, you know, think of a recent event where it was pushed so heavily on everyone to the point where they were like mandating it and all this stuff. And then now knowing that information, like a lot of people were concerned with what's in it. How is it made up? Like it came out really quickly like it's just really concerning for the first time in my life I started reading inserts to vaccines and like thank god I'm starting to read them and then even on the insert will tell you if it's beneficial or effective but yet you do hear this script that these doctors are saying and I respect healthcare workers you know be coming from that world too like it was hard for me to kind of accept that you know, you have to do your own research and you have to not take everything that they say verbatim and you have to make the right decision for you and your family. Like to me, I, I can only imagine how you felt because here you are trying to do the right thing, getting your kids health insurance. I would have done the same thing, Medicaid. Um, we have a lot of actors that listen to this podcast, but even if you're not an actor or you're just, a lot of actors do actually get Medicaid. And I was on it for a period of time too, when I um, didn't have a job in the beginning, moving to New York. And there's a lot of benefits as far as like getting on the insurance and like just having that like sense of relief that you had something in the event of an emergency. Right. right. The care was just vastly different, you know, like dental, vastly different type of dental yeah. work that you're getting. So I 100% believe that this is a thing. Yes. Um, but yeah. it's scary. Like what, what, what do they mean that it's the Medicaid like immunization? Is it, this is the, the crappy one that's like worse for you or but, what? And then that's the thing. So I had to take my glasses off. I said, ma'am, I want you to understand that you're telling people literally that one person is better than the next because this one is insurance or we don't really even know. And yeah. they don't know. Cause I said, so what's the difference? That's a simple question, right? Yes. Like, what's the difference? Oh, uh, this one's just Medicaid. Crickets. Oh, I'm crickets. So then I'm supposed to say, oh, yeah, sure. Let me get that um insurance uh vaccine on aisle one. Let me, you know what I'm saying? At the dollar store. <laughs> oh, my it, it doesn't make any sense. And this, when you really sit to think, if you slow down and put your phone down and just stop for a minute, you'll really think like, yo, I'm, I've been getting played. Yeah. And that's yeah. just putting it plain and simple. Yeah. That's yeah. just plain and plain and simple. Mm -hmm. 
And we have a choice. We we do. So, I mean, in that instance, I would have been like, I'm good. Let's wait. You know, maybe that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Exactly what happened. (laughs) Nothing at the moment. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I'm curious to see what 10 years worth of research and study is going to look like, you know, having, because there is such a huge influx in these immunizations for children now. And you have to pay attention because when we were born, I'm also 34. When we Mm -hmm. were born, we had some, but like the vaccine schedule is insane now. And I have to look, I have to, I'm like, that's another beast that I will do research on that. That's going to take up a lot of my time. So we'll get to it, but starting to fully understand why each one is necessary. I mean, the schedule is vast and it may not make sense mm-hmm. for you and your family. Mm-hmm. So I urge you all listening, just, just do the research. We're all yeah. busy. We have full-time jobs. We have, you know, we have multiple kids. Like we got a lot of stuff going on, but like if this is the difference between knowing, you know, what type of stuff you're putting in your body and like how you're going to react to it, 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 it could be like a life or death. It could be like, you know, you have a never know, never know, you never know. And I, I think we need to, I think there's a movement, you know, that's questioning all of this stuff, which is great, but there's not enough of it happening. <laughs> but if you're questioning it, but still going along with it, did, did you really question it in the first place? And right. what did you come up with? Right, right. What convinced you to still get it? Because exactly the telling you it's a good idea. Or did you really like fully do the research? And I mean, being healthcare workers, like my mind is in that. So I'm like going deep. I'm in, I'm in the research. I'm in the reading the articles and like trying to figure out, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, the average person is not doing this, nor would they really understand some of the information that's out there and presented to you. But there's a lot of people who can interpret it. Miranda, you are hitting all the freaking (laughs) points, okay? And that's exactly what I'm trying to drive home on social media. I can spit you research articles. I can give you quotes that this one said this about postpartum depression and this and that. But if you don't have the mindset to even process the information for yourself, then what good is that? It's just more knowledge being thrown in your face, thrown in your face, stored, taking up space that you're not even using for your present benefit. Yeah. And like the conversation of like informed consent, I believe that there, I don't know if this varies by state, but like, it feels like it should be, you know, mandated across the country, but like these entities, private practices, primary care, OBGYN, like they have an obligation to give you informed consent, right? You sign a ton of papers at the beginning of your appointment, read those papers, take pictures of them. I mean, it's a lot of jargon, but like a lot of times it's like you have the right to know what's going on basically. And um, a lot of people don't know that they can ask the questions that, and the doctors should be able to answer them. But a lot of times the staffing, you know, you're not even, you're lucky if you even see a doctor and we'll talk about that in a minute. Cause I've had an experience, but like you're talking to the medical assistant or the nurse that like may not be the right person to answer that question, but yet like you should get the answer that you need. Um, so I, I think it's really important for people to understand like what true informed consent means. And to me, in my definition is like, you understand the pros and the cons without a biased in between. That's right. Simple. That's what it is. Um, so with the scripting though, that's happening because we have scripts in dental too, because it, one, it helps give the provider like, uh, tools to be able to communicate with their patient, right. In a, in a proper way. Sometimes it's a legal right. thing. Like they uh-huh. can most times. Way. Yeah, most um, times. Like when it comes like, what other benefits do you think from the healthcare perspective are there, um, when they like use a script for patients? So I will say standardization is major in hospitals and Mm. modern care period so they don't want and that's that's the whole it's a gift and a curse right so if I call I'm going to get the same script that Joe called from Montana and that somebody called from Utah but I'm not Joe from Montana Mm -hmm. and you're not Sue from Vermont you so it's great that we have it for standardization but then on the back end what happened to individuals being individuals and we've been programming ourselves and our children to not question authority so we don't question doctors because doctors have authority right and then I hear people say all oh I'm just the nurse excuse me yeah (laughs) Yeah. excuse 
Yeah. You went to school for how many years and you are in and out and you're doing a lot more than the doctors are sometimes, you know, they, we work hand in hand in most situations. They cannot do what they do without us. It's supposed to be a partnership, but instead society looks at doctors and a higher statute because they make more money. They have the power. So because they have the power, we just kind of, you know, kind of go to the back end and us kind of stepping up and owning our own shit. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it real. Yeah. We'll then force these businesses to create those structures and those those basic things yeah. for staffing and ensuring that your your patients know that you may not be the one to show up. Right. So scripts are great, but you have to do scripts for everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And be honest. If a script is not telling the truth, then it's no good. So that's how I see it. Absolutely. And um, because I I trained in executive business coaching, I mean, we have something called an objection. So like if you're trying to present a case, you're trying to close a deal or something, uh, a lot of times you get objections. People don't want to like pull the trigger and uh, say yes immediately, especially if it's financial or whatever it is. So you learn to isolate the objection. And I can see a lot of these similarities in healthcare. And if they're good at it, they can, can you know, convince someone why it might be a good idea um, to, to do the, a vaccine, to do a procedure or whatever it is, but you just try to, you know, take out, you know, is it a financial issue why you're saying no? Or is it like anxiety and fear uh, as to why you're saying no? Or like, do you like maybe not understand fully like what is going to happen? So, you know, a, a confused mind always says no is what something like I go by. And I think it's not a bad thing actually to go by because it's like a protection mechanism. But mm-hmm. if you're trying to convince someone to do something, like you need to figure out the source, like what it is that's really causing it to right. say no. And I, I mean, I'm talking on the healthcare side. I'm like, if they could just get really good at that, like they could probably convince more patients to do something, which is a little scary, but from a profitable standpoint, you're going to make more money. Like, and that's how people will be happier too. People will be happier. And that's the thing. Most people leave healthcare facilities, all of them, especially dentists. People Mm -hmm. say they'd rather go to a car salesman than to go to the dentist. So any place they leave with such like low energy and feeling unfulfilled. And that's not the way it's supposed to be, especially not when you are literally growing a life inside of you. It's just not. It's not Um, supposed to be that way. uh, And I appreciate you saying that because I think people really need to understand that that's not like, even though, you know, we live in a very rich country, we're supposed to have really good healthcare, you know, that's questionable, but like, we're supposed to have more choice in my opinion. Like I have more options. Right. And I'll tell a little story about like what I've recently gone through. And I think it ties in really nicely with this, like you should feel like left to feel empowered. Right. Right. Um, so I've been going on my journey with, you know, I'm eight months pregnant now we're in like the final stretch, which is really exciting, but I started off um, my journey at the OBGYN. I was like, I think that's what I want. I like, I like this OBGYN. I want to deliver in a hospital. As far as I know, I feel safest there. Like who knows if this is going to be a high risk pregnancy. Like, let me just start Mm -hmm. over here first. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to hire a doula. So we'll talk about that too. And like the relationship between nurses and doulas and like coaching and, oh my gosh, it's uh, midwives and like that whole philosophy. Cause it does vary very much. I said, I'm comfortable with the OBGYN doula combo in the hospital. I think we'll be good because Uh I'm nervous just to go on my own in the hospital. I want an advocate. And a lot of people don't even know what a doula is. So we'll talk about that later. And I'm going to have some doulas on the podcast too, because it's different, right? They're not like a medical person. They're more of an advocate from the medical side. Um, And throughout my journey, everything was fine and great. And as I'm going through these appointments, you know, baby's healthy, thank God. And like, things are going well, it's low risk. So all gifts, but when you're low risk, you actually do have more options, I think, to go to a different provider. And it was always on my mind to like, maybe, maybe I should have like checked out a midwife, you know, maybe I, it's not feeling personal to me, this whole experience. I feel like a number, um, the practice that I'm at, currently or started with uh there's five <laughs> physicians, um or five OBGYNs and I grew up going to one OBGYN I knew her very well my mom did the same thing where she had this great relationship with her and those still exist and I think they're great but then there's other bigger entities out there that are structured in this way I think at least more so you tell me but there's mm-hmm. these, like big groups where you have like multiple OBGYNs mm-hmm. you could see one of the five 
when it's mm-hmm. your due date, depending right. on the day of the week, who schedules what. That's right. So they tell you that you are apt to meet each one. <laughs> they, they say these things, but the reality of it is you may not meet them all. And for me, and we'll talk, I also want to touch on like perinatal anxiety or perineal anxiety. Am I saying that right? No, you said it right. Perinatal yeah. anxiety. I, I want to touch on that too, because I think it's really important, especially for first time moms. Like there's a lot of that going yeah. on. I know I definitely experienced it because I'm like questioning everything because I'm yeah. like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yes. Long story short, I'm still at 36 weeks now or 37 today. I have not seen an OBGYN since the first day I was confirmed of my pregnancy at six weeks. I've been seeing nurses the entire time. Love my nurses. They're great but they're not going to be delivering the baby when it's go time. They're most likely not going to be the ones at the hospital when it's go time. So I, you know, it's either been an ultrasound tech or a nurse and I know the system and I know that they're set up in this way because, you know, I felt like, oh, she's low risk. Like just have the nurse see her. If there's an issue, you know, doctor will review it. And then maybe next time we'll like schedule with her. No, I want to meet the doctor. I want to see what their philosophy is. Like one doctor may be pro what, you know, we're jiving on what we want to have happen. And then the other one's like, I'm going to cut you open whether you like it or not. Not really, but like, (laughs) you know, like for real, so many different preferences and I just want to meet them. And I scheduled out and this is like a tip for anybody. I scheduled out ahead of time months because I have a flexible schedule. Also, I would highly recommend scheduling out as like as many appointments as you can because there's so many appointments and like, you need to coordinate your schedule because that is hard to work a a full-time job and then have to go to all these perinatal appointments. And then like, God forbid, you know, they're running behind and they're like eating up your time. So that's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. But I scheduled with each doctor. I was going to see every single doctor before I gave birth, hopefully. Mm -hmm. I kept changing my schedule kept pulling me off to the nurse. Two times they didn't tell me that they did this and scheduled it. And I was very confused. Third time they called to try to schedule because I told them to put a note in the chart, like, do not move my appointment with this provider unless uh-huh. like you call me. Like I I want to see them. And uh-huh. the, even still the morning of, oh, your doctor is not available today, had a surgery that went over. Totally fine. I, I'm a reasonable person, but something's kind of funky. Like, I feel like, why are we scheduling surgery days on the same day that you have to be in the office? Or maybe it was an emergency, but like, what, what's going on here? You know? And like, I, they won't tell you, like front desk won't tell right. you. They can't. And they can't. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't see what a hot mess it is from the back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Anyways, uh, sorry, a little bit more long-winded, but that was the back end. I went to and did a workshop with a midwife. Um, I had an opportunity and they're like, hey, come listen in on this workshop. It's a new midwife practice. They're like promoting themselves. They do home births. I knew that wasn't a good fit for me for this pregnancy. Maybe next right. one might be more open to it. But I was like, no, I just, I want to just have a good, pre- you know, I just want to have this yeah. baby out. I want to be at the hospital. I think it'll be better for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so impressed by her presentation and just her demeanor. And Mm -hmm. for those that don't know, maybe you can expand on this, like what the true difference is between a midwife is and an OBGYN. Can you Mm -hmm. expand on that really quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You're literally in simple terms Mm -hmm. for those who have had a baby, you're literally having the nurse do everything. Mm -hmm the entire thing the finale like there's nobody that comes in with any imaginary cape and just holds the head and tells you to push your legs back you are getting a more holistic mind body baby experience Mm -hmm. you're you're getting it the way it was intended to be Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly exactly you don't need all these sterilization capes and this and you don't need any of that and anybody who's listening who has any type of love for um ob and the old school midwives there's a show on netflix and i don't know if if it's okay for me to do this but the show is so amazing i even have my children watch it it's called call the midwives and it literally shows you the difference the amount of compassion the caring the connection it's not the same with physicians all of that you just will not get but everything that i described you will get in a midwife Mm-hmm. And should get in some form of fashion with, with a little distinction of knowledge 
you should get that in a doula. That's how you should feel. Yes. Your, your souls have to align. They have to connect in order for you to really go into that place that you need to be to have that baby in the, the most natural and healthy way possible. Oh, thank you. For, I'm getting goosebumps as you're describing it. Like, ooh. Um, that's how I felt after this presentation. And it was a simple 30 minute presentation and just meeting her. She's like, it was so informative. It was like a bit spiritual, a little bit too. Cause I mean, there's a broad spectrum. I mean, you got, I, there was a mom in there that like, she's like, I'm going to have my baby at home at a birthing center. We're going to have a ritual before the birth with the Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to give birth and notice notice birth on a lily pad like that was I was yes. like girl that is awesome yes. like that yes. like for you for owning what you want at 14 weeks pregnant I was still figuring that ow I I just like I commend you like yes. you, you you can set yourself up to have the birth experience that hopefully you want yeah it's gonna go that way but like if you have a team that's gonna support you and try to drive it in the direction that's that you right. want it, it can happen and I, I feel right. like we don't, we don't know that we don't know that that's possible and that's why we don't we don't that's why don't. okay so that's why I decided to switch so I after this midwife I had a little bit of like a moment of breakdown like this is at like 35 weeks okay not long ago mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Presentation, it was so knowledgeable she's like I want you know we meet our patients face to face I know them I want them to feel like like connected and that we're friends and I've got their back and like she went into like the history of birthing and which I find really cool and like the placenta and like all of these pros and cons and it was all evidence-based and I thought that was really important. So evidence-based birth, birth, I talk about that a lot. I love that resource. I'm sure you're very familiar with it here, but like, it's got so many good research articles on it. And it just shows you like that there is a difference between what the medical healthcare traditional system is telling you versus like other options that are out there or like options that have been proved more effective and like better for you from a, like a holistic standpoint. And it's, was eye-opening. And so I left there like, this is the experience I've been wanting the entire time from my provider. And I've gotten maybe a, a sliver, a sliver of like that. I had never felt they like, you know, they celebrated congratulations, blah, blah, blah. It was all very like standard. Um, gave me a little gift bag, which is nice, but like <laughs> still very medically focused. And yeah. like, I know that they're on timers too. Like, I know that they only have 15 minutes with me, if that, you know, and, and it's, it's hard for them, you know, talk about that burnout again, but like, also like the patient care just goes down tremendously. And when you go with a, a midwife, I mean, I'm sure they've got their time boundaries too, but like, it's just such a more gentle approach to birth and not this like medical intervention that has to happen. And I feel like we are trained or like society promotes the fact that like, we can't have kids on our own like without all these drugs, without all these epidurals, everyone's asking me, oh, are you going to get the epidural? And I was like, I, I, personally, I'm going to try to not get it. Like, I don't know. I'd have never done this before. I don't know what my pain tolerance is. I'm going to prepare myself to try to advocate in that way. But like, yeah, I'd like to at least give my body a shot to do what it needs to do on its own. And everyone feels different. You know, I've met moms that are like, Absolutely. cut this baby out of me. I'm sick of being pregnant. And that's fine too. But like, do you know the benefits versus the risks? Like this is, birth isn't supposed to be convenient. <laughs> a bit, still that one more time. Yeah. Uh, birth is not supposed to be convenient. <laughs> and it's not supposed to be mechanical either. Right. And that's exactly, that's exactly what physicians they make it out to be scheduling unneeded inductions telling people to go to the hospital for no reason lying about what's going on so they can be admitted into the hospital like so many things and with a midwife you are allowed to go within you are one with your body mm -hmm. they are allowing you to be a free thinker they accept you as an individual in a practice. It's that standardization again, mm -hmm. book a patient every 20 minutes, break at 12. Da, 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 da. They yeah. don't care what's going on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's about them and their business and their profit. It's not about actual patient care and that connection. It's just, it's, it's no comparison in my opinion. Yeah. Same here. And then from what, you know, having experienced it, 
it was a big, it was a big decision. Cause I was really scared to leave. I was like, um, I've, been, I've gone so far. I've like, I've already established with them and mm-hmm. oh, I'll just, I'll be okay. So I have my doula, but like something just didn't sit right ex- instinctually. Mm-hmm. And I know that the, the midwife office, um, my doula recommended, cause I told her my, you know, concerns and what was great. What's also great about doulas is they, they know a lot of the different entities to give birth in. So they've seen everything from home birth to birth center, to um, birth centers attached to hospitals, to hospitals. So, and they know all the different hospitals too. And that is like worth their weight in gold and like worth the investment and hiring a coach like yourself or, you know, like a doula, because you don't know. And like, you can only go by word of mouth from like other moms potentially, which is a limited experience because their experience is so uh individualized to what happened to them but like the doula has an outside she's like the fly on the wall mm-hmm. you know that can see everything that's going on she knows how the nurses work that's she right. works with the doctor she knows which ones are like accepting of her and which ones are not which midwives mm-hmm. are great which ones maybe aren't and mm-hmm. just like that that resource is what I really needed um and I needed to feel like I had like a mom presence, but a knowledgeable mom presence right. um, that wasn't attached. Um, how do I want to say it? Like emotionally attached in the way mm-hmm. like I'm her daughter. I mean, she, I that know familial, right. Me, but like, she's going to advocate for me if I want right. to or clamping, she's going to make sure that shit happens. Right. <laughs> that's right. Thing. So I love that. And like, you know, that's a personality thing you want to like get, get Absolutely. and I want to make sure she gets along with my husband and like all that stuff. But it was, it was so eye opening. So she recommended this midwife place. And I also did my research on the hospitals because that's something that you need to do too. Like what is the cesarean rate and the intervention rate of these hospitals? Mm-hmm. Um, they're all very different. And there's a resource called leapfrog.org. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah, no. Um, I doula again, like sent it over and leapfrog.org. Basically you can type in your hospital Mm -hmm. um, that you're thinking about giving birth at. And it gives you Mm -hmm. like a whole bunch of stats on like everything. There's maternal care, but then there's like pediatrics, there's joint replacement surgery, like whatever you want to look at. And it shows the scoring of whether or not they are going to um, like how they score. Like, is it well, is it not? And they'll give the cesarean rates of the hospital as well. Now, the only caveat is like it's the hospitals are reporting these numbers. So there might be some, might not be completely perfect. (laughs) So that's just something to know. But then you could see the hospitals that decided not to participate in the survey at all. And that is a huge red flag to me as well. So just finding the right hospital in general, like first it starts with the right practice, then it goes to the right hospital. And for me, you know, I just realized I'm like the midwife route is I think more appropriate for me. It's like where my mind's at after doing all this research. And again, 35 weeks of like figuring it out, decided Mm -hmm. to switch and uh, which was very nerve wracking, but I told them my story. They took me with open arms. I was able to have like my medical records in my hand when I walked into that office and made it easy for them. But like, if you don't think that your provider's a good fit, you have the right to change. And my doula was like, I'm so proud of you because most women won't do that. Most women will not. That is, I was waiting. <laughs> yes. Uh, I agree. I'm proud. I'm, I'm so proud. And that's exactly what I'm trying to give women the empowerment to they need like you. Fira. They, oh. <laughs> they need, they need you. And I think that's what's that's so awesome. important about your coaching services is you can give them the pros and cons. And like my doula did not sway me. She was like, listen, I'm going to support you with whatever you want to do, wherever you want to do it. That's in. Right. That's but right. if this is the experience that you want, this is the better route to go. That's right. That's and right. Once women see one woman woman doing it, they get inspired to do it themselves. And I've already like had the conversation twice with two pregnant friends and they're like, I think I need to switch. I was like, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm telling you that you have the option. (laughs) You have the option. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just like you want to, oh, I love shipping at UPS. I go there every week, take all my stuff back to Amazon. And then I just feel like I just got to keep going. But no, actually you could go to UPS and UPS will take care of you and they're not going to nickel and dime you and they're going to give you the rights and you can tell them what you want it's the same thing we limit ourselves so much based off of these little in these these pictures that we create in our minds that are not true 
And we are, when you're with the physicians, you're being programmed every week. Come get your weight, get your blood pressure, find out what's going on. Oh, everything's good. Repeat next week, repeat next week, repeat. There's no thought. You've already scheduled yours out for the whole entire time. Yeah. It's, it's nothing. You see what I'm saying? And mid nurses just don't work like that. And of course they they accepted you with open arms because you're one of the reasons why they opened the practice in the first place. It's, it was, <clears throat> it was so lovely. Like, and I I, I'm like, this is, I know this is, and, and it was very out of character for me to change. Cause I'm a little type A when it comes to this stuff. I wanted my stuff set up mm-hmm. going into the perinatal anxiety, which I want to touch on with you and your experience on that. Um, like it just helped me feel more comfortable for birthday because, you need to, I, I was like, I do not want to go in with the anxiety of feeling like I have to fight these doctors and advocate for myself constantly in a place where I'm going to be very vulnerable or like put that pressure on my husband. And like, thank God I have the doula to help with that. But I, I don't want in the back of my mind that resistance constantly from the, from the system. And so I was like, I want to be aligned with a provider that's more apt to not give me that resistance that helps give my anxiety down so I can focus on delivering this healthy baby and me being healthy and recovering too. Because as you read, if you're nervous, you clam up, like your body feels like it's not safe. And then you have more complications and you don't progress. And if you're not progressing in the hospital, what happens Fiera, on their timeline? <laughs> yeah. Cut. You cut. Mm-hmm. You, oh, you are, you are, you are on the money. Okay. You are on the money. Seriously. Oh, it's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. Cause we think about that. Think about you, you would have stayed with that other office and you're already all the anxiety is building up from one appointment to the next. And you have no physical complications or contraindications to anything. You could have not seen anybody and been just fine. I can deliver that baby in the woods, you know, whatever. I'm I'm serious. And now you're, the anxiety is building from this process where you're not getting what you need over and over. And you're being told, oh, it's okay. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't, we'll handle it another day. You'll see them another day. Building, building. Now you don't know what to expect. Who's coming to the birth? Who's going to be there to support you? They don't even know you to know what you, think about that. Yeah. And that's exactly how and why Black women are dying. Okay, this is a big subject to talk about. And that's what I also, like, we need to talk about this today um, with our minutes. So let's go, let's go with that. Um, and if you could help, like, tie in a little bit of your experience with the perinatal Absolutely. and everything. Um, but let's talk about why the maternal fatality rate is so high for particularly women of color. Why? So, in America. Why? <laughs> We, and I say we, because I am very, very much a part of the population, Mm -hmm. very much as a master's prepared, certified RN educator, coach, I am still a part of the population. Mm -hmm. We have been systemically, systemically programmed to believe that we are less than, we are not deserving of quality care we are not allowed to say you know something is something is not right something is wrong we're not allowed to say oh well I don't want to go to this doctor because we weren't allowed to believe that we could reach an economic status that would afford us the insurance to then go and have these experiences that we really should have we have been silenced and stereotyped and said, well, oh, if you speak up now, you're an angry black woman. That that's a whole, that's a whole thing. And to put that on someone who has been constantly tore down, told they were nothing, never given a chance to be a child, having to put their entire family on their backs because they're the the men that they decided to have children with didn't have an example themselves so they're starting a whole nother cycle of the same exact situation that they came from not realizing that they can then come out of this and we deserve more than what we ever could imagine So Mm -hmm. think about all of that stress and all of that anxiety and having to work 80 hours a week, 
on our feet, having to try to make ends meet. You're, you don't even think about fresh food. You just thinking about eating. So you run into McDonald's, you going to get the big, the, the big Mac. Oh, this is going to hold me over. I got to make sure I get food for the kids. You're not sleeping. Mm-hmm. The office that you go to, your appointment is at nine. You don't get seen till 11. So, so then, your time. Yeah. But then also what office are you going to? You're going to a Medicaid office where they're going to make you wait. And so it's like all a trickle, you know, it's a trickling effect or yeah, keep going, keep going. I was, I was, I was about to say, I can go, I can go on and on and on. And I have personal experience from when I had my first son, when I was 22, I graduated from my BSN in 2010 he was born 2011 so in that gap period I'm like look I know I know what my mother did I know how that was I know how she said okay we got to get this we got to do this and I was lucky enough to even still have my stepfather at that time's insurance but even before I made that switch I was going to the office in the suburbs okay and they would make me wait and I would wait in the room to where I, I would get impatient. I'm very much so also some type A. And I, I look like, like, let's go. So I'm going to the office. Excuse me. I've been here for how many? They would make me wait. And they did not tell me at that time that I would not have a provider that I've been seeing that I would get some random person who would come into the room and say, well, I had a C-section. You can do it. Right. Like, oh, it's really not that bad. It's very civilized. I'm like, um, that might be a great choice for you. But like, it's really for someone who's never had surgery before. Like, I really would like to try to avoid that personally. It's Um, it's major abdominal surgery, no matter how you slice it, no matter what kind of ice cream you put on it. They're like, oh, it's no big deal. It's major abdominal surgery. And And physicians don't really make much more money from it. It's a time thing. They don't have to wait around for you to, you know, get it together and push and blah, blah, blah. It's okay. You in, you out, you scheduled, I'm done. Yeah. And all all of that stuff that I mentioned is why we are where we are. That's why we are at higher risk for preeclampsia, because we are living in a state of survival. We are not in creation. And I feel like, to be quite honest, before I started this business, I was in survival too. And Mm -hmm. nobody thinks about it that way. Oh, she, she has, she makes excellent money. She has a fabulous husband. She has children. They're thriving, but it's the truth because it's embedded in our DNA. And that's what we're trying. A lot of people who look like me are trying to come out of that rut. It's hereditary because my grandmother dealt with it. She, my great, great grandmother who was delivering them baby, she was a, her mother was a slave. Yeah, Her mother was a slave. So that's coming down and coming down and coming down to where my grandmother now who's still living, bless her, because she was a big part of me being able to kind of be a kid for the most part, but still helping her out with my sister because my mother never got out of that survival mode. Mm. so it, it's it's so many things There's that so many people... factors because I feel like it's like history yes. then it's social economics right yes. like part of it and then that ties into like the Medicaid system which you know are kind of partners over here and yep. then you're you're trying to work really hard so there's this like level of exhaustion but also are we eating healthy as we need to which could yeah. cause you know extra weight gain which is part of preeclampsia preeclampsia happens for a lot of different reasons but like mm-hmm. there's all these like other factors that build into you know being a more high risk pregnancy which then I would say ties into why fatality rates are higher. Or do you also believe like um, there's a bit of gaslighting happening with like, as you mentioned with, you know, patients saying like, you know, something isn't right. There's some gaslighting there. Um, Then on top of it, they make you wait, you know? So those combinations of making you wait and like also not believing in your symptoms or it's taking longer for them to get to the core of the problem, which makes you more at risk for having an issue. Um, do you also feel like the access to care has a big influence on the fatality rate? Because it's like, well, why are they dying? Like, why are we dying um, in childbirth? Like, that is like something that's like, don't we have emergency rooms and like doctors to help us? So like, is there anything else you think that's attributing to that particular factor? 
I'm trying not to get too deep. I really <laughs> am. Um, I'm I'm trying yeah. to keep it keep it just enough to where yeah. we get it. Yeah. But you have to think about you as let's say you as an actress. You go to several different areas um in the United States, no matter where you go, don't isn't there a ghetto? Yeah. There's a ghetto. And who are who lives in those ghettos? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People who look like me, people mm-hmm. who don't have hope, people who are like, well, this is it. Like, I guess this is all I got to do. I'm going to go to this corner. I'm going to go get this 40. All I've I'm ever known. This you is know, all I've ever known. This is what my friend. mother did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the access to care, absolutely. If you in your mind do not believe that there is anything better, there will never be anything better. The schools are programming the little boys and little girls to think well uh, all you gonna do is is uh, look you could use what you got to get what you want it's nothing about your brain it's nothing about oh okay you need a little help here no there's no extra resources we are literally figuring it out from the time we can walk Mm-hmm. So when it comes now time to think like, oh, well, now I got to walk to four towns over just to see the endocrinologist for the type one diabetes that I was born with. Yeah. So then when I'm 30 years old and I can't manage because all I can afford is what I think I can afford, which is fast food and n- mm-hmm. no- nothing compared to buying a few things of vegetables and tossing it up. But I wasn't raised that way. We told fried chicken is this and this and that. No, it's all of that stuff that we are put into that location in that area. And then you have healthcare providers, which I hate to say this, they come in and they they just help it. They're like, oh yeah, this works. Oh, I ain't got to do nothing with them. Oh, I only got to spend five minutes with them in order to get my Medicaid payment. Just have them go get weighed and do whatever you're going to do. And right. then why come back? So right. if I don't come back, I'm sick. I'm already sick before I get pregnant. Right, right. So the pregnancy is only exacerbating what's already there. So when that happens and we are left uncared for, unheard, untreated, dismissed, mm-hmm. and tossed to the side just because of how we look and how other people have told them to treat us, we die. Oh, and I, I see it. Thank you for sharing that and it's so upsetting and disturbing and then we could even compare women's care to um men's care which is a whole other topic for a different day maybe if you are but like you have to do a part two we're gonna have to do a follow-up and stuff and i'm sure i'll have more experience you know having gone what i went through but i think i think also what i hear is that population tends to be a little bit more compliant and just listens to the doctor and again now that we know what we know and you being on the other side of it having worked in the system on that side and then also having experienced what you've experienced like i just think double confirms like what's really going on um, or what could really go on and like this you know that population doesn't know any better like i didn't know any better i've learned the hard way i question things and i'm having conversations i'm doing my own research but again not a lot of people are doing that so they're just going with the flow so if doctor says you should get a c-section and then you have a complication from it and then voice that complication and they kind of say like no you're fine but then you're not fine then the and then it takes a really long time to cross town to get your follow-up appointment again you know there's so many different factors that play into that so I think it's really important that we touch on that but also to help inspire that no matter you know where you live or your socioeconomic statuses like if you can learn to advocate for yourself as much as you can and know to question those things, then hopefully you'll be a little bit better off. But I, I understand there's a lot that plays into that. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. And like all again, perinatal anxiety, like all of this stuff. I mean, it's this conversation was not meant to scare anyone or anything, but it was just to no. get reality that yeah. like you have options because again, even though the healthcare system is skewed in the US, like you we still have options. I can go to a midwife if I'm low risk. You have to, you have advocates like yourself. Um, I think it's like hands down should be mandatory, you know, to have an advocate for yourself. (laughs) That would make sense. 
if yes. they wanted us to be well, but they don't. So. They, they don't, but you can work the system. And that's like that's my, right. that's that's my right. thing at the end of the day. You can call Fiera up, which I'm going to put all of her info in the show notes. And just yeah. so that they can get a hold of you and you do virtual co- consultations, right? Absolutely. Like, could you touch Absolutely. a little bit before, as we wrap up in our last couple minutes, <laughs> like how can people get a hold of you? Like who's your, the right candidate to talk to you about, you know, their, their maternal journey, like all of that. Um, okay, so how to contact me? Um, I am on Instagram. I'm pretty active now. Before I was like trying to stay away from it, but I'm on Instagram. It's what just like it's spelled more two O's mm-hmm. LLC at oh no, that's what I said at what more LLC. Yes, and on Facebook it's what and it's women's health advocacy tr- and training on Facebook. And my email is info at whatmorellc.com. And you can text or call me at 843-909-6053. And I am not limiting the type of client. The type of client that is for me is somebody who is really ready to dive into the nitty gritty of why they're not experiencing what they want on their perinatal journey. That could be a 22 year old. That could be a 45 year old. That could be a 50 year old man who's just having a baby for the first time. It could be somebody who is wanting to utilize a surrogate and trying to go through why I feel so down throughout this process. Like it could be any, it could be any one of those things. If you're really ready to have some honest conversations and get down to you making your own choices those are my type of people Uh and I want to address the cost because I know my people and my people will be like what (laughs) listen to me what how much do we pay for hair and getting our hair dyed and fried Mm -hmm. and braided and Mm -hmm. you know getting eyelash extensions and eyebrow threading all these different things cost hundreds of dollars this is for you and your well-being your soul your child your family it's priceless it's the most important investment I think I've ever made like for me no it was no question in my mind that this was uh what I needed to feel safe and secure and knowledgeable and I think that we need to start getting out of this mindset of like insurance is going to pay for everything because it doesn't first of all wait till you get that hospital bill and then second of all like why you could actually have a, a a more affordable outcome if you decide to invest in educating yourself with somebody up front first and feeling confident that you're going in the right direction that's right for you and your family so to me it could save money in the end and you shouldn't worry about that and again like you said like actors pay so much money for the headshots and classes and all of this stuff like why not reinvest that money or save up that money to go ahead and 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 invest in your in your health and the health of your baby like to me it it is a no-brainer and I wish more people existed we're gonna get this out more like share this let them know if you go see Vieira like let them know that Miranda sent you from the Balancing Actor podcast I'm curious to know (laughs) Uh, but just to have that simple conversation of just like where where do I even start or like I know if I want to go the OBGYN route or the midwife route like what should I do right those conversations with a you know someone who has a lot of experience yes. <laughs> and knows yeah. and knows uh, so many realms of this business is is just absolutely priceless like you said so um I want to thank you for your time we are on the money you said you had yes. 10 minutes and here we are um go us thank you so much for all of your insight today I feel like this conversation needs to happen you know we can expand on it down the road but um I really appreciate it and I think uh future clients and patients are going to really appreciate it as well Thank you, girl. Thank you so what much you're doing. You're welcome. Thank you for doing what you're doing and like deciding to go for it and get this business started. I'm like so proud of you and support you. you all the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sending you all the good vibes. All the good vibes. Darling, all right. We'll see you next time. Alrighty, bye.